Life Audio. Faith Over Fear is brought to you by Life Audio and is part of our Faith Toolkit series. For more inspirational, faith-affirming podcasts, visit us at lifeaudio.com. Hello, and welcome to the Faith Over Fear podcast, where we attack our most pervasive fears with truth. Because life is too short for any of us to live enslaved. We are passionate about helping God's children live in freedom. We would love to chat with you online or on social media. Visit our show notes to learn how to connect with us. I'm Jennifer Slattery, and for the last couple of episodes, we've been talking about having the courage to love those who are hard to love, and whether that's someone God is calling us to reach out to with the gospel or maybe someone who's closer to home. And as I've been researching this topic, as I've been reading some of your stories, I've come to realize this issue is going to pose a significant challenge for a lot of you this Christmas. A lot of you feel really confused and torn between wanting to show the love and grace of Christ, but wanting to do so in a way that feels emotionally and mentally safe for you and your loved ones. And recognizing that this can be such a major source of anxiety for so many people, I've invited author and speaker Gary Thomas to speak with us today on how to deal with dysfunctional and potentially even toxic individuals. Gary, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Jennifer. Well, Gary's writing and speaking focuses on bringing people closer to Christ and closer to others. He's the author of 20 books that together have sold over 2 million copies and have been translated into more than a dozen languages. And these books include When to Walk Away, Finding Freedom from Toxic People. You're going to want to grab that for sure. He also wrote Sacred Marriage. What if God designed marriage to make us holy more than to make us happy? The Sacred Search. What if it's not about who you marry? but why, and the gold medallion award-winning Authentic Faith. Gary holds a BA in English Literature from Western Washington University, a master's degree in Systematic Theology from recent college, Vancouver, BC, and an honorary Doctor of Divinity degree from Western Seminary in Portland, Oregon. And he just has so much to say in regard to this. He has a heart for people and a heart for just seeing people experience the grace and the wholeness of Christ. And Gary, you are super, super busy. Well, I'm, I'm thankful to God. I, Jennifer, I'm, I love what God has allowed me to do. And, uh, you know, sometimes I feel that way, but then you look at the alternative that nobody's listening and that feels worse. So thank you for saying that. Well, well I thank you for sharing your time with us, especially being over the holidays. And What I am especially interested in your book, When to Walk Away, Finding Freedom from Toxic People. First of all, because there's not, I didn't find really much out there that addresses this. So it's hugely important. And what really motivated you to write this book? Well, it was my own naivete, Jennifer, to be honest. Um, I couldn't have written this book even 10 years ago. It was a foreign concept to me. I had the thinking that if I was walking with the Lord's blessing, being a person of love, applying wisdom, in good faith, trying to reach out to others, it it would always end happily. (laughs) And I I came across a situation where someone was lying about me and undercutting me and just had this program. I thought, 
I get somebody wanting to disagree with me. I didn't understand the hostility and I have better friends than a man could ever deserve. One of them is really one of my best friends. He's been a marriage and family therapist for over 35 years. He knew some of the situation. So when I understood what was happening, I reached out to him. I said, well, what is a God honoring way to respond? How do I direct my, my concerns? Why not? And he shot me, Jennifer, when he said, my recommendation is that you don't engage him at all. Mm. And I thought, how, how can that be the right thing to do? And he urged me, you know, I, he's a believer. I, I'm a believer in Christ. He said, Gary, I want you to go to the book of Luke. Count how many times Jesus walked away from somebody or let somebody walk away from him without Jesus giving chase. And I'm, this might be a little too much information, Jennifer, but I'm, I'm not clinically OCD, but I live in the neighborhood right next door to it. And so <laughs> when a man I respect that much says to do this, I went to all four gospels, all four accounts of the life of Jesus. And I was shocked. I've been reading the New Testament since I was eight years old, literally. And it shows how blind we can be. I counted 41 citations where Jesus walked away from somebody or let somebody walk away from him. Not always dealing with toxic people. Some were referring to the same situations. But Jennifer, I always thought that would have been a failure, that I didn't act out of love, that I said something to offend them until I could put that with some of Jesus's teachings that taught me some people are toxic. Jesus warns us about them. And he says the loving thing to do. See, I always want to love, but sometimes the loving thing to do is to walk away from a toxic attack and let the consequences of their toxicity change their heart so that then they're open to love and a change of heart and treating people differently. I, I just was blind to that. And, and I'm embarrassed of that. It's not that I was suddenly wise. It was my own failures hitting my head against the wall and a friend kind of saved me saying, Gary, you're blind to this. Let me open your eyes. So I'm, I'm grateful to him and to scripture to taking away that blind spot. You know, I love that you mentioned the feelings of guilt too, because I hear oh, yeah. that a lot, especially from those, you know, I'll just give a situation where the individual is raised in a highly abusive home and has recognized there's nothing they're going to do to change the individual. And there's always, especially if it's a parent, I think there's always this, what I hear is a sense of guilt that they carry. And I think it probably does come from some confusion of the Christian message. Yeah. I, you know, and I've seen this often and I don't, I don't want to stereotype uh, for women. It's just in my experience, it's been women that have done this more often when I work with premarital couples and a woman might come out of a very dysfunctional home. And I'm always grateful as a pastor when she's joined with a healthy guy, because sometimes, look, men do this as well. Sometimes we come out of dysfunctional homes. It's what feels comfortable. And we don't always make the best marital choices, but, but she's, she's chosen a really healthy guy. They get married. And then here's what happens. Like six months later, nine months later, I'm talking to her and she's happily married, but she'll say, you know, I'm really feeling I'm a burden on my heart to go back and, and try to reach out to my mom. And it scares me because I eventually have to tell them, look, you can't have a healthy relationship with an unhealthy person. I get why you want to have a healthy relationship with your mom. Who doesn't? But we talked about this. Your mom isn't capable of a healthy relationship. And what I fear she's doing, and I'll tell her this, is that you're taking yourself away from what could be a healthy family. You have a chance to build a new family. 
based on a mutual faith in God, encouraging each other, building each other up, and you're trying to go back and fix your family of origin, that they will resent you for wanting to fix. I go, it, it will it will cause stress in your new marriage. It won't be successful. I think this is a temptation, not a word from the Lord. Invest in your marriage. Become close with your husband. Receive this as a gift from God that you can be in a healthy situation. You're not your mom's mom. You're not your dad's dad. Uh, just receive what God has given you and recognize that sometimes walking away, again, I think we'll get into this. I'm not talking about walking away from difficult people, but walking away from toxic people can be one of the healthiest things you could do and essential. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolf. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Everybody has some level of dysfunction. And I think if yes. we expect perfection, we're going to be pretty lonely. So how do we know when a situation is toxic and, and when it's something that maybe we can work through? Yeah. Let me preface this by saying we don't have PhD. Well, I should say most of us. Maybe you have some very smart listeners. I don't have a PhD in psychology. Most of us don't. And when we're dealing with pathological people, I don't think God holds us to the standard that we can fix them or always diagnose them. So this is an art as much as a science, but here's some general things. One, every toxic person is difficult, but not every difficult person is toxic. I'll say that again, people are driving along. Every toxic person is difficult, but that doesn't mean every difficult person is toxic. They might just be different. I'm a third of four kids, Jennifer. I'm, I'm not a take charge type A. I tend to be more gentle, people pleasing to a fault. So if I'm dealing with a forceful person, that's just not me. I don't, I might feel threatened. That doesn't make the person toxic because they're different from me or because they make me uncomfortable. Here's where it becomes toxic. Toxicity is when somebody's taking little pieces out of you. You hang around them and there's less of you. It's sort of the way you feel demeaned. You feel um, like they destroyed your joy, your peace, your self-confidence. And there's less of you to give to healthy relationships. Maybe later in the day when you could be talking with a best friend, a child, a spouse, and you feel yourself distracted because you're haunted by the attacks or just being around the toxic person. You can't get it out of your mind. You feel like you're losing your mind. Now, sensitive people, and that's what I love about them, is sensitive people can be preyed on by this. They might think, well, isn't it selfish to worry that somebody steals my joy? 
the Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. So if they're making you weak, you don't have as much to give to your, to your healthy relationships. You don't have as much to give to the world. If they're gaslighting you, making you feel crazy for believing what is clearly true, because often you'll catch them out in toxic behavior and they'll turn it around. You're too sensitive or you haven't forgiven me or Christians aren't supposed to be judgmental. You're being judged. And, you, and if you lose your self-confidence, you don't feel like you can counsel someone. You don't feel like you can question someone. You thought, well, maybe I don't have anything to share. And so what happens is you come out of that not being the person that I believe God created you to be, an active agent of healing, encouragement, wisdom, and support. Now, here's an analogy that might help. If you take lifeguarding lessons, one of the first things they teach you, and this sounds counterintuitive, is how to protect yourself. Because you go out to a drowning person and they're, they're flailing around and they might drown you. And if they drown you, you both go down and nobody's saved. And so you have to learn how to defend yourself to be a lifeguard. And I would say you have to learn how to defend yourself to be a spiritual lifeguard, to be an encouragement, to be a blessing, to be a source of wisdom. You have to defend yourself because if they take you down, they take your ministry down. They take your words of wisdom down. They take your ability to encourage others down. And so it's not selfish to defend yourself. You're defending the person that God uses to help and bless others. And that's a holy thing. Amen. That's really good. Well, one question a lot of people had was, how do you know that they were concerned that you don't always see a toxic person initially? Right. So are there some red flags yes. that they can watch for? Yeah. Yeah. A big one is control mongering. Yeah, I'm, I'm speaking as a Christian pastor. And so my motto is not my motto. My words live by Matthew 633. Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God. And that means I seek to build God's kingdom, not my own. I want to be directed by him. Toxic people want me be, to be directed by them, their opinions. You will do what I want you to do. Healthy people can say, I don't think it's wise for you to do that, or I wish you wouldn't do that. And they can let it go. Toxic people, they don't know quit. You're going to do what I want you to do. I'll act like your friend. If that doesn't work, I'll threaten you. If that doesn't work, I enlist other people. So now you're having to fight 10 people who are trying to convince you. They just want to control you. And, and for those of faith listening, this is so opposite from how our God responds in the Old Testament. We're told, choose you this day whom you will serve. God speaks the truth and says, you get to choose. Jesus says in the book of Revelation, I stand at the door and knock. If you open the door, I'll enter in. When you see the New Testament, while there are, is demonic possession, there's no God possession. God fills us with his Holy Spirit, but he doesn't possess us like you see demons doing. So God speaks the truth and persuades but let's us choose. Toxic people, they want to control you. If somebody's controlling you, that's a toxic thing. A second thing is toxic people tend to have a murderous spirit. And you can look at their life. They murder small groups so that nobody wants to go. They murder office environments so nobody wants to be in the office. They murder family gatherings. They want to inject discord and a slander and gossip and undercut the leadership, whatever they can do to be at the center of this murderous destruction. They may murder your joy, your peace, 
yourself of sense confidence. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. God comes to bring life. And he warned that it's Satan who's the murderer. So if you see them murdering everything they're a part of, there's nothing of God in that. And you need to walk away from that. The third marker is that they love to hate. And this goes back to something you said earlier, that we all see this. There's a list in the book of Colossians of what to take off and what to put on. What we take off, Paul says, is anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language, and lying. And what we put on is kindness, compassion, gentleness, humility, patience, and love. So healthy people want to encourage. They're gentle. They're patient. They're humble. They don't make themselves a be-all in. They can say, well, maybe I'm wrong, but here's what I think. But if you don't agree, you know, you do what's best. You do you. I'll do me. But toxic people have, they come alive when they're angry. They come alive when they're slandering someone. They feel more energized. Healthy people, sometimes, look, sometimes, Jennifer, we might control out of love. I think of a parent that's terrified their kid is getting into drugs mm-hmm. and they might try to overly control. That's not toxic. It's, it's a misguided, it doesn't work, but it's control. I know one husband who confessed his wife was becoming an alcoholic. He tried to control her, not because he's toxic. He was terrified. Now, control doesn't work. It's still not healthy, but you can do toxic things without being a toxic person. The toxic person though is energized by that. You look at their online platform and they just love to attack and they become more forceful and energized and alive when they're attacked, attack, attack, attack. That's the kind of thing where you're saying, wait a minute, even if your cause might have some truth in it, these methods are deplorable. And you might want to take a step back and say, do I want to be most alive when I'm attacking or encouraging? Do I want to be most energized when I'm trying to bring somebody down? when I'm trying to humbly build somebody back up. Um, And so you're kind of looking at motivation and what energizes you as well as what's being said and done. Yeah. Well, what would you say as far as like, is there some work that like, as somebody's trying to navigate healthier relationships and, and just process all that, what kind of work internally with themselves might you suggest? I I run those three lists. If people want to look them up, it's from the book of Colossians in the New Testament, chapter three, um, the the negative ones are verse eight, the positive ones are 12 and 13. And I run my relationships through that. I I pray in the morning, God, I want to be a person of compassion, of gentleness, of patience, of kindness. I want to look for positive things to say, to build people up. And Lord, I don't want to slander. I don't want to be motivated by anger, malice. The thing that amazes me about how we're called to love in scripture, malice means I'm not to have ill will toward anyone, even my enemies, that I I should pray that God will convict them so that it is well with their soul. Not that I want them defeated or crushed or humiliated, but to repent so they can join the revolution of love, that now they're going to spend their time encouraging people and building people up and calling out evil where it needs to be called out. But in a spirit of gentleness, Galatians 6.1 says, those of you who are spiritual should restore him or her gently. And so I, I just keep using those lists. What, if people follow me, do they see what Paul says I'm supposed to put on? Or do they see what I'm supposed to take off? And I love the way that Paul says that because it, it, it assumes 
Sometimes I'm going to wake up angry. Sometimes I'm going to wake, I want to destroy this person. But I need to take that off and then put it on. Let me have compassion. Okay, what they're doing is reprehensible. Why are they doing what they're doing? How can I have compassion that sometimes hurt people hurt people? And instead of instead of escalating that hurt by shaming them or wanting to destroy them, I can I can be a listening ear. But sometimes that does mean, Jeffrey, I need to walk away because I'm never more tempted to be toxic than when I'm interacting with a toxic person. Say that again. Sometimes it's self-defense. Yeah. I'm never more tempted to act in a toxic way than when I'm interacting with a toxic person. They fight me. I want to fight back. And and for me, walking away is a bit of self-defense because I, I just humbly, I might not be strong enough to handle their toxicity without becoming toxic myself. The world isn't helped by adding another toxic person or even a toxic act to the mix. And so maybe I just need to get away. If And, and let, let me, it's very practical. If you're interacting with someone, maybe even online or in person, and you find yourself just so tempted to slander them or to attack them in other conversations in a way that's not appropriate, I would say stop listening, stop reading, stop talking. If you are always led to sin in interacting with someone, the way to get out of that sin is not to interact with them. It's a loving thing to walk away. Well, one individual in particular, she had a friend who was depressed. So they were friends in high school and and her friend went through a series of like a a season of depression that went on for years. And she remained in the friendship because she had compassion for the depression, but it became very damaging. So how do we know when when a friend or a loved one, if we're like, okay, they are going through a season of mental health challenges, how do we know what that line is like? Yeah. Uh, Friendship isn't marriage. Because we have a long history with someone, I think if it's bringing us down, that doesn't mean we necessarily have to go forward. Now, Jennifer, I'm the first to feel guilty, even saying that sentence. But here's what my wife's friend said to help reset the balance. He said, Gary, if you're in your pastor's office and somebody comes in and says, man, I I need a root canal, but the doctor says it's going to be $2,000 and I don't have $2,000. Gary, I know you're a man of prayer. Would you please perform the root canal so it can be for free? I just trust you. I believe God's hand is on you. And he would say, Gary, you just think he'd lost his mind. You're not qualified to do a root canal. It would be malpractice. You could be put in jail. I just want to free up your listeners, Jennifer. When we're dealing with serious mental illnesses or depression, pathological narcissism, hardcore addictions, things like that, most of us just aren't qualified to know how to protect ourselves as we interact with them. A lot of counselors, licensed counselors are known to um, stop meeting with clients when they're over their heads. Because they know they can't continue as a counselor if they're in over their head. It's okay to admit, I grieve for your situation. I pray, but I can't help you. And I'm drowning, trying. I'm not there for my spouse. I'm not there for my siblings. I'm not there for my friends. I can't do the ministry or vocation God has called me to do. 
I'm sorry. I, I just, I, I wish I could help you, but I can't. That, that's not cruel. It's a statement of humility. And so I've had to learn. I, I'm not going to label that depressed person toxic by any means. I, I'm just going to say, I'm not the one to help you through this. God has called me to help others. And so I have to walk away um, to do this, knowing that God has a, other people that can help reach out to them. There are some people really gifted at that that could interact with them. It's not tearing them down. It's not destroying them. And they could do that in a healthy way. So apply humility, say it with empathy and compassion, but don't feel obligated. We can't solve everyone's problems just because we grew up with them, just because they're a sibling, you know, just because they were our parent doesn't mean that um, we can be the solution to their issue. So listening to what, what you just said, it sounds like if, if it is pulling them to an extent where they're no longer able to care for their other relationships and responsibilities, would that be kind of the line that you would say? It would for me. Yeah. Uh, look, it's one of the things about when to walk away is that it's, it's geared toward mission. I'm not a psychologist. I believe psychological health matters. I believe self-defense matters. So I'm not speaking negatively about that. That's just out of my skill set. When to walk away is partly about preserving your mission. I believe every person in Christ is called to seek first the kingdom of God. I believe they have the power of the Holy Spirit within them. The most important message, God reconciling the world to himself and then using that to reconcile us to each other. So I think every life counts. And I think every hour of every life counts. And I want people to think more highly of themselves. I want them to preserve their joy and their peace and their self-confidence because those are the people that God uses to change the world. And a lot of people don't realize how powerful the spirit can be within them. Well, I'm not that charismatic or I'm not that wise. I'm talking about you've got the Holy Spirit. You have what you need to make the exact kind of impact God wants to do through you. So honor that. And if that's being undercut by toxic people, then I think it's wise to walk away because my life is about preserving and producing fruit. It, it was a huge change for me, Jennifer, in putting this together. I grew up in a tradition of faith where holiness was defined as not doing more things than other people do. You know, I, I'm holier than you because I don't do this. I don't do that. I don't look at this, eat that, drink that, think that, do that. Holiness is, I believe, as Jesus presented it in John 15, he says, I brought you glory on earth, speaking to his father by doing everything you've commanded me to do. And Jesus talks about producing fruit. I think holiness is about producing fruit. We know that fruit trees need to be pruned back because there are branches that, that, that hold the rest of the tree back from producing fruit. So in your life, if you prune relationships that keep you from producing fruit, it's a strategic, loving, godly, wise thing to do. Don't feel guilty. Say, I'm doing it to do more. It's not that I don't want to be bothered. As a Christian, I live to be bothered. I just want to be fruitful. And if I look back in my life, I just turned 60. Not once has all the extra time, energy, effort, and grief that I poured into a relationship with a toxic person ever been fruitful. It's been a waste of time. It's taken me away from other relationships that could be fruitful. 
I wish I could have read this book when I was 25. That might sound funny to say. It would have saved me a lot of time and heartache and allowed me to invest even more in healthy relationships. Wow. Yeah. Well, and I love what you talked about our joy and our peace. I think that's such a testimony to the gospel. So that was really yes. powerful yeah. when you said that. So one thing that a lot of people mentioned was how do you deal with a toxic person that you have to interact with? So like, say like yeah. an ex-spouse or, or yes. somebody that you're, you're um, or maybe it's at Christmas dinner when you want to go and you Great know, story. yes, yeah. So how would, what would you say? Yeah. Okay. First walk away mentally. Don't let them have rent-free occupancy in your mind, okay? When you have to interact with them, interact with them, but then let it go. Don't try to fix them. Don't have fantasy fights. It does nothing but bring you down. So walking away can be a mental exercise that's very helpful. Secondly, if I'm at that family gathering, let's say there's a toxic uncle, just throw that out there. I don't want to not go to the family gathering and miss the other relationships. But if the toxic uncle is spouting off whatever is toxic, I'm going to get up, not, not say you're toxic or I'm not going to, I'm not going to wrestle because they might even enjoy that. I'm going to go to the next room, find a younger, maybe a nephew or niece. Hey, how's life going? What, tell me about what's going on. Find an older family member. Hey, tell me about those memories. I want to create healthy relationships. I want to walk away from to walk away toward. So just leave the room, have a healthy encounter and say, I wanna walk out of here with good, positive memories. I'm, I'm not gonna give them a stage. I'm not gonna give them satisfaction of opposing them. Remember, toxic people's like contention. They like fights. You are hoping that people can get together and share positive memories, catch up, bless people, encourage people. Toxic people, are hoping there's a fight that they can be the center of. It energizes them. You don't have to show up. If you see the fight brewing, mentally walk away, physically walk away. Just don't play for me. Awesome. Well, so much good advice. And I know people will really want to get that book, especially now, perfect time with the holidays, when to walk away, finding freedom from toxic people. Well, Gary, thank you so much for joining us today. We'll put his information in our show notes so that you can connect with him. Uh, thank you for listening. If you haven't already done so, I would encourage you to subscribe to this podcast. Then you won't miss a single episode. Make sure to share it. We would be really encouraged if you would rate it. And until next time, may you live as one who truly has been set free. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to Faith Over Fear, a production of Life Audio and the Salem Web Network. If you enjoyed what you heard today, we'd love for you to head over to your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. To learn more about Jennifer Slattery or to check out any of the resources she mentioned in this episode, just head over to her website, jenniferslatterylivesoutloud.com. Or check out our show notes. This episode was produced by Kelly Givens and edited by Stephen Sanders. A special thanks to our executive producer, Stephen McGarvey. For more Faith Toolkit podcasts like this, just head over to lifeaudio.com. Feeling stressed? Let's take better care of you. I'm Bonnie Gray, the host of Breathe, the Stress Less podcast. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com.